Welcome to the Hot Topic Bold Talk Podcast. Dr. Jacqueline is opening a forum for us to discuss opinions on the topics currently trending today. She's also going to share her experience with unique and diverse books that will encourage us all to think differently about the world and change our lives for the better. Together, we cover hot topics and get into the nitty gritty of how they affect our lives. All in the friendly and engaging tone so that you feel comfortable listening, even if it's not your favorite topic. This podcast is the perfect blend of knowledge and fun. We discuss everything and anything that matters today. Don't settle for the same old stuff. Get in on the conversation. Hello, this is Dr. Jacqueline from DTP Leadership Group. Tonight I'm going to be talking to you about a topic that I think is important for all of us to know about. As parents and teachers, are you prepared to raise anti-racist children? This podcast will help you learn what you need to know to raise anti-racist children. Now, years ago, I was a counselor in East Austin in a middle school, and then I taught in two different high schools and was a counselor in one of those high schools. I knew then, and is still evident today, that the discussion of racism and the other isms was a way to prepare students to be able to discuss and critically analyze stories and facts about racism. What I found was students were unable to be critical thinkers if they had not had the chance or trained to talk about race or racism or oppression of other people in America because they did not have the skills to analyze situations where oppression was occurring. They had been prevented from having this essential skill that would enable them for the rest of their lives to hold professional positions as employees of organizations to think through issues to reach the best solution for all people, not just their race. These students also had parents that were not prepared to discuss race or any ism, such as racism, sexism, heterosexism, homophobia, ageism, or physical challenges, and there are others that I could mention. So they overcompensated with arrogance. Unfortunately, this arrogance covered up their feelings of inferiority, which was based in fear. They felt uncomfortable and they were unprepared to discuss race. The feelings of inadequacy encouraged the development of judgmental attitudes so they could believe they were superior to another race or person to cover up the feelings of inadequacy and inept actions they took to suppress discussions of race. So you can imagine what the students were like that had parents like I've just described. I'm a great admirer of Ibram X. Kendi. Since he has written many books that he's looked at himself in depth, 
and then has written extensively about how he came to understand how to be an anti-racist and teach his child to be an anti-racist. He has worked to describe what parents can do for their children from birth through elementary school, middle school, high school, and college to know how to speak about race and be confident and prepared to find ways for all people to experience living in an equitable society. I think he presents how essential we all need to learn to support and appreciate the diversity in our country so we can benefit from the talents of all people who live and work in the United States. So I'd like to share with you a story that I've summarized about Kendi's experience in high school and how he advanced his knowledge about how people become racist and how to create the ability to create a belief structure, attitude, and behavior that is anti-racist. And so here is his story. At age 14, he convinced his parents to let him attend John Braun High School in Flushing, Queens. He later learned that John Braun, who the school was named after, embodied the contradictions of America's founding. Bronnie immigrated to Boston from England in 1649 and ended up in Dutch New York or contemporary Queens. In 1662, the Director General, Peter Servantsant, arrested and deported Bronn for holding Quaker meetings in his home. Bronn traveled to Netherland where he was successfully able to lobby the Dutch West Indies Company to overrule Sir Vincent and his enforced the 1645 Flushing uh, uh, Charter of Religious Freedom. When Ron's name is etched into school facades for his role in securing relig religious freedom in New York, his enslaving is largely forgotten. Braun in enslaved at least two people to work in the fields surrounding his home in Flushing in the 17th century. Now, John Braun High School was an overcrowded public school with more than 3,000 students. Kendi says that he does not remember any white students at John Braun. White teens had their own predominantly white schools out in the suburbs. He goes on to say, I assumed the world was out to get me. Many of my white peers assumed the world was in harmony with them. White teens are likely to assume their friends share their racial beliefs, which makes sense. They learn from caretakers not to critically discuss racism. And here's a statement that he makes that I think is extremely important. Assumptions fill in the blanks when the voice of communication is absent. I want to repeat that. Assumptions fill in the blanks when the voice of communication is absent. 
If caretakers of white teens are not talking to them about race, then how will caretakers discover the red flags? How will they know if their teenagers are internalizing racist ideas or worse, if extremists are recruiting them to join white supremacist organizations? White supremacist recruitment on college campuses is increasing, but the typical age of most extremist recruits is 11 to 15 years old, a critical stage of development when adolescents are seeking belonging and purpose. Kendi tells the story of Christian Bichalini, who at 14 years old was recruited by a man and two years later was the leader for the Chicago area skinheads. Piccolini has since left the movement and now supports uh, parents of teens and young adults who need help breaking their child free of white supremacy. In Kendi's book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, he gives significant data on how neo-Nazi recruitment occurs with 11-year-olds. He clearly states that caretakers must initiate these discussions to pr protect white teenagers. Discussions, not lectures. Discussions, not accusations and judgments. They need to be open discussions so the child feels valued and taken seriously, which is the best approach in these situations. According to Harvard psychologist Gil Nolm, when white teenagers do embark on discussions of race with anti-racist caretakers, they become more tolerant and willing to interrogate, internalize racist ideas. He describes his years at John Braun in this way. Teachers were there in the classroom, but they might as well have not been. I only remember one Latina ex-math uh, teacher trying to get to know me, which was an exception among teachers who mostly treated us students as faceless problems. We, how could they teach me if they did not know me? How could they know me if they did not know my community? They assumed that black students were intellectually and culturally inferior and characterized them as malicious, having problematic behavior and disengaged from the educational process. He describes further studies where uh, teachers view black students as dangerous and at fault for the educational challenges they face. The only thing that kept Ibram in school was the wrath of his parents and being able to play basketball. Finally, his parents decided to move to Virginia where his aunt lived since he received three Ds and uh, he received three Cs and two Ds at Braun. After he moved, he went to Stonewall uh, Wall Jackson High School, a predominantly white school named after the enslaver of six people and the general of the Confederate States Army. In 1861, Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens declared, our new government rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man that slavery 
Subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. Think for a moment, how long did it take to change the school name? Well, it took until 2020 to change the school name. Ibram ended up in an IB, or what we would call an AB class for students of color. By 2011, the college board found that 79.7% .7 of black high school students who would have done well in an AP course did not take one. Qualified natives had 73.7% and Latino X had 70.4% high school students were also far more likely to be left out of these courses than white students, even as the number of white students left out of these courses is also incredibly high at 61.6%. Now, the SAT exam is considered to be a racially neutral college admissions factor. How is the SAT exam a racial neutral when its creator, Carol Bim, was a avowed eugenicist and producer of racist ideas? How is a grade point average, a GPA, a race-neutral admissions factor when students taking IB or AP classes get their GPA artificially boosted. And he describes how this happens. When I was in my uh, high school's IB uh, program, a B counted for four points and A counted for five, more than their respective three and four points for other students allowing some Stonewall IB students to graduate with a 4.8 GPA. He presents an excellent argument that these are not gifted classes, they are privileged classes. And I'm very touched by his description of the conflict he had as a teen, because I think this is true of many, many teens. His discussion of his own conflict as a, a teenager is revealing about how being in the privileged IB classes, he was told often he was better than other students. And he says, as much as I imagine myself as better than the black and Latino kids from outside the privileged class, I imagine myself as less than the white and Asian kids inside the privileged classes. He admits I was an imposter when I hung out with my friends from outside the privilege class. I didn't know about racism and classism, keeping my friends out of these classes. I just consumed the idea that I was better because I was better. To be conceited is to have an exaggerated sense of self, to think you are better than you really are, to think others are worse than they really are. To think you and people like you in your racial group sit at the top of an imagined racial hierarchy. To be in, insecure is to undervalue the self. To think you're worse than you really are. To think others are better than they really are. To think you and people like you in your racial group sit at the bottom of an imagined racial hierarchy. Conceit and insecurity are the twin children of being racist. 
Every racist idea is a conceited idea or an insecure idea. Every racist idea proclaims the proficiencies or deficiencies of a racial group. Racist ideas are red meat for ravenous egos and insecurities. Now to go on, some of the things that uh, Abram talks about is he says, it's not just students who face this dichotomy. Parents also suffer from these twin manifestations of racist thinking, this conceit and then the insecurity. These parents say their kids are smarter and harder working than those other kids. But these same parents resist equalizing educational opportunities between their kids and those other kids. They resist efforts to ensure all schools are highly and equally funded. All school facilities are renovated and up to date and up to code. All teachers are highly trained and supported. All school materials in all schools are high quality. All students have the amount of support to meet their unique needs. And we all know that's not true. It's conceit of parents who claim their kids are ex excelling solely because they are smarter or harder working. It is the insecurity of the parents who resist changing the structure to one that better benefits all children, including their own child. To be racist is to have misplaced fear. To be racist is to flaunt a huge ego and hide a deep insecurity. Now, here's the important uh, realizations, I think. Kendi mentions that in his senior year, he says, I was tossed out of the AB English course. I was glad to leave all the reading behind. I hated the reading, or so I thought. There's no such thing as a kid who hates reading, or Arthur uh, James Patterson once wrote. These are the kids who love reading, and kids who are reading the wrong books. Kendi says, Shakespeare plays with the wrong books for me. In my English classes, he says in high school, I don't remember reading any Black authors. In my science classes, I didn't learn about eugenics and soon to be completed genome project. In my math classes, I didn't examine racial disparity data. Even in my social studies classes, my high school teachers rarely discussed racist policies except to teach us that it's interpersonal or past tense. Those comments he made are not true. It's not just interpersonal. Racism is a systemic process that oppresses racial groups. It's a part of our system and has been part of the foundation of the United States of America. Now, here's the reality that I'm asking you to face. It is outrageous to see the sick and demented policies in Florida, Texas, and other states that prevent the teaching or discussion of racism and slavery. The tragedy is that each student who is illiterate about racist policy in our country does not see how widespread racial inequality 
is contributing to racism. I believe it's a crime that is being perpetuated by politicians who have no knowledge or experience about their racist viewpoints. Their arrogance is a cover for their feelings of inadequacy since they are not skilled and don't want to know how to talk constructively about race. So let me repeat that. Their arrogance is a cover for their feelings of insecurity since they are not skilled and don't want to know how to talk constructively about race. I feel disgusted and anxious when I see how this restrictive educational system does not prepare young people to go in a, out into society and be able to read accurately their world. Kendi says, our children find it hard to articulate or understand what's even going around them and to them and through them. To these children, racist policies appear neutral. Discussion and speaking about issues of inequality of equality in our country truly matter. I've seen too many whites accept racial inequalities as routine, and they do not address or work on changing these routines. Racial violence is justified as self-defense, which we see with all the violence that has occurred in our country. The tragedy is the structure of racism hides in plain view. Racist ideas hide the structure. Ordinate people are manipulated to be angry about all those other people rather than all about racism. I greatly appreciate how Kendi makes a final statement that I strongly support. He says, I did not leave the nest anti-racist. I want different from my child. I want different for you, your child. That's why I wrote this book. So I encourage you to read Ibram X. Kendi's books. Help to stop the elimination of books that tell the truth about the founding of America and the existence of slavery in the past and how it still exists today. Build your knowledge and experience through reading his books and be sure and know that many are coming out by historians. There's a new one out that I just received that are confronting the myths and theories that are lies about what has happened and is happening still today in our country. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hot Topic Bold Talk podcast. Now remember to get in on the conversation, head on over to patreon.com slash Dr. Jacqueline. Bye for now.